Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We are here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and today with us is Bill Lublin, one of the premier brokers from Century 21. He's out of the uh, Eastern Philly market, also does work in the tri-state area there, and his perspective comes from us about two weeks ago uh, in Pennsylvania, one of the only states where construction was deemed completely non-essential. No construction to be had, no sales showings, e- even with the real estate agent staying in the car and the customer going through the home on their own. Nothing. Nothing's supposed to happen. And so what I really want you to pay attention to is as a leader and a business owner, Bill's perspective on such a challenging environment and the things that he was doing in his office to keep his agents focused, as well as, of course, his perspective, because I think it's really important. And we got another special guest coming up here in a couple of days with us, Brad Inman, to talk about this too. But I think it's really important for us as home builders to pay attention to what brokers and agents are doing and saying and reacting to this, because I think they're always just a couple of weeks at minimum ahead of where we are as a home building industry. So let's get right into it with Bill Lublin. Continuing our effort to talk to as many different people as possible with different viewpoints on the housing market, mortgage bankers, home builders, contractors, and today, real estate agents and brokers. So I'd like to welcome Bill Lublin, the CEO of Century 21 Advantage Gold, the largest Century 21 firm with 11 locations servicing Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Bill is also an international speaker and trainer on technology and real estate and a good friend of someone that we respect just a ton here. Do you convert in market marketing, Jeff Turner? So, Bill, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. I I, I do have to correct you. My last name is Lublin, like Dublin. Oh, Lublin. But in L, okay. Of a D. And there we go. I respect Jeff not only because he's very smart and very well spoken, but because he married well over his head. Uh, if yes, you've he ever did. Met his wife Rocky. I have met Rocky. Yeah, absolutely. So, so for that reason alone, he would be a man among men and a hero in my eyes. But uh, thank you for having me today. Absolutely. So, Bill, as someone who has such a long history in the business and a prominent position at such a great organization, in light of the current health and economic issues going on in the world today, a lot of home builders have unfortunately kind of an arm's length relationship with real estate agents. And so I'm not certain that everyone has heard very clearly what agents and brokers are, are dealing with and going through right now. What's, what's the state of, of the industry and, and locally, what are you guys seeing in terms of demand and activity and, and how it's impacting business? So let me speak to it locally first. So we're in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. So because we're at stay at home in both states, in mm. New Jersey, we are an essential industry. In Pennsylvania, we are a non-essential industry. So in Pennsylvania, we cannot show property and we are not to meet face-to-face with clients. In New Jersey, we are allowed to show properties one-on-one, doing it in a safe and sanitary manner, following protocols to 
minimize the chance of exposure to COVID-19. In Pennsylvania, even though we are not allowed to meet face-to-face, we are able to work remotely. We're a pretty tech-forward company, so we are able to provide virtual showings, virtual open houses. We have still a strong online presence. We're able to do remote contract reviews. We use a variety of uh, video platforms to do, you know, with screen shares to do contract reviews. We prepare documents using zip forms and e-signatures using DocuSign. We manage our transactions remotely so that an agent can meet with a seller, for example, have the seller show him the house on their phone, provide the seller with a, a CMA, a competitive market analysis, go over a listing contract by reviewing it through a screen share, send it out for electronic signature, and we have just listed a home. We can do the same thing on the sales side. We've actually sold homes through virtual showings where a seller will go through and demonstrate the property using their phone. And of course, after what we're referring to pretty much around the country, after the pause generated Hmm. by the pandemic, there will be, you know, a home inspection, that sort of thing. So it may delay transactions, transactions that are in the pipeline in Pennsylvania. Hmm. uh, We're still able to close right now. They're doing what we call drive-by parking lot or uh, car top closings, where (laughs) the documents will be handed to an individual. They'll sign them in their car while they're witnessed by a notary two cars over. Interesting. Their identification stuff. And, you know, we're working the workarounds, but it's slowing, of course, the market now. Many sellers are taking their property temporarily off the market, more to avoid days on market accumulating during this period of time when they can't be shown out of a fear that that'll somehow negatively affect them at some point in the future. And you think that makes sense or is that an irrational fear? Look, I've been a salesperson for a long time. Days on market to me is an indicator. It's not, you know, I'm an investor, for example. If I put a property on the price, on the market at a price, I want a specific price. I've probably owned it for a number of years. I don't care how long it takes to sell. And the fact that you make a lower offer to me because the market, the days on market are higher. I've had many conversations where agents where I've said, please don't confuse the days on market with thinking that I am somehow distressed or need to sell it at a lower than market price. You can Mm -hmm. buy it for this price or you can move on. So it really depends on the seller. If the seller and buyer believe days on market is a big deal, then it becomes a big deal. If the salesperson's able to work past it, then it's not as big a deal. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, no. And so what you're saying is, even if the transaction can't be completed, the mental sales are still being able to be made in certain instances where the consumer is willing to take that next step virtually. And we certainly are seeing the same thing on the new home side. One of the things that we're seeing, though, similar to lots of other forms of technology, I, I jokingly say, you know, most of the apps on my phone are not profitable for the companies that have created them and, and run those services. And I remember the CEO of Redfin touting a couple of weeks ago that the number of virtual showings scheduled had skyrocketed after they adjusted the calls to action again. And, you know, they tried it two or three years ago, it wasn't working, they brought it back and the traction was heavy. And, and then yet, what, two or three days ago now, they've furloughed 41% of their agents. And so the question is, 
really this balance it feels like of virtual opportunities are making those who are still in the market able to move forward. But in terms of a general sales and marketing ability to create demand, maybe I'll simplify the statement. Do you think virtual sales and the processes and tools you're talking about will keep anyone whole if this goes on for a prolonged period of time? Or is it simply grabbing what we can and making sure that we're serving the market that's still there? Well, I think it's grabbing what you can and serving the market that's still there. I think people is still at the end of the day want to go see, feel, touch, smell, you know, the property. Yeah. But I think that you are seeing a much greater adoption of technology by people that didn't ignore it before, but didn't need it. So in, in a typical real estate company, you know, no matter how good your tech stack is, and, and the term tech stack, of course, refers to all of the technology tools provided by the brokerage or the franchise or whatever. If you have a, a 20 or 30% adoption rate, that's terrific. That's a really <laughs> highly used tool, right? Like yeah. the only thing that everybody uses that there's, excuse me, 100% adoption of is the MLS. Other right. than that, some people use a CRM, some don't. Some people print out documents and have them wet sign. Some people use e-signatures. Some people use video. Some are less comfortable. In this market, we're holding for our company um, 10 to 14 meetings and trainings a week using Zoom, where we're going wow. back and revisiting our, our good, tool. Good idea. Yeah. That thing that you didn't want to adopt before, maybe they'll be a little more open to uh, it right now. thing that maybe you didn't adopt because you didn't want to be seen as being a Luddite or, or being, you know, but you have trouble. Like I, I'm watching people on Zoom and I get, I really get a kick out of it. And, and the same on Facebook or Google Duo or whatever your video platform is. And the number of people that don't realize their whole face isn't in, like they can see themselves. <laughs> but they don't adjust the laptop uh, top to yeah. get the whole face in or they're sitting in front of a window because that's where their sofa is and you can't see their face because the camera's picking up the light behind or, right. or, or they're walking around jiggling the phone or, you know what I mean? It's interesting to see who's at a desk and who's at a table where they mm-hmm. bring the camera to be eye level and they're looking at the camera and they're doing the right thing to communicate. And and who, you know, looks like the guys from Spy versus Spy. You can only see their <laughs> eyes above the event yeah. horizon there. But people yep. are learning. And and we're actually when we have Zoom meetings now, if it's an office meeting, if it's a smaller group, I will I'll, I'll shout out to somebody, hey, you know what? Why don't you move your uh move your close bring your lid up a little bit more so we can see your smiling face? Or why don't you move so the light is at your side or in front of you instead of behind you? so that we can see you better, be conscious of that, make eye contact by looking at the camera. So we're teaching them stuff because they have the time to learn it, right? Because things are slower. Look, at some places, I'm sure it's at a stop, but here it's just very much slower during a time that we'd be very busy. But I believe that when the pause is over, however long, the market will take off like a rocket. It'll be a V-shaped recovery for us. I think people want to move. I think they'll be even more driven to move at that point because they'll have been stuck inside wherever they're living now that they wanted to change. So do you think there's going to be a competitive advantage for the companies who are able to retain and train their agents 
to be able to absorb that? I mean, again, you, you look at what Redfin did, and I have to imagine that when they call those people back and say, come on, guys, let's go, there's going to be a whole bunch of them who are like, I'm good. I'm with Century 21 now. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think that's going to be the case. But, uh, but I think that's a different case. Look, in, in our marketplace, in, in one of their, typically in a real estate company, the average real estate company, if you have 100 agents, there are probably somewhere between 60 and 75% of them that are productive to do more than one transaction a year. In one of the Redfin offices that I looked at near in our marketplace, that 103 agents, there were, I think, 36 agents that had done a, trend, a piece of business reported in the MLS over the last year. Now, perhaps wow. they did off-market stuff that I can't see, but they were actually sort of the reverse. But Redfin's, Redfin's a different business model. Sure. And Len Kelman is a very, very bright guy who has demonstrated the ability to, to you know, pivot like an NBA center. I mean, <laughs> he's really, yeah. he pivots fast. He pivots decisively. And that's why he's still here. When Zip Realty, who started about the same time and had, you know, kind of a similar start, they were going to be really tech driven. They were going to give consumers rebates. They were going to charge the consumer less. They were going to use the internet and disintermediate commission salespeople uh, by using employees, excuse me, salaried employees. Right. Who received a weekly stipend and then got small bonuses on the sales. When the market, Tanked in 2008, um, Kelman's pivot was far more successful than Zip's pivot. They pivoted to becoming sort of a referral type of tech overlay and eventually was purchased by Realogy a few years ago. He managed to keep his company rolling, you know, and then do an IPO. So he's, you know, he's, oh, yeah. he's a smart guy. Very, very smart guy. But I, I do think it's interesting how many the people who are maybe pivoting too fast. And that goes into projections again of, is this going to be a V, a U, an L? What type of recovery are we looking at and how long and, and all that? And, and we don't, we try not to do too much projection and forecasting on this, but even beyond Century 21, when you talk to other agents or brokers in your marketplace, I'll tell you a story and then get your reaction maybe, maybe this way. I was talking to two people in different states, both in the Midwest, actually, who were looking to sell their own personal home and were engaged with an agent. And the agent called them back up and said, you know what? We've just decided to take the next two months off. The market's not that great. We're not interested in doing the business. So you're going to need to find someone else to show your home. And I'm just, again, trying to get a sense from the people that you interact with, not necessarily just your own organization, what the headspace of the... Because builders are trying to figure out, in their mind, they think the real estate agents are an opportunity. If they have finished inventory... So you've got this home that's that's safe to show and easy to show. And uh, when there is a lack of inventory, a lot of builders are are thinking that they should be reaching out and communicating to agents. But I'm trying to get a sense of how many of those productive agents are, are around still and trying to do... Well, and what are they allowed to do? Like even in Pennsylvania, yeah. that, that doesn't help me. Like I can't, right. I can't go open the house, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I could maybe go in and do virtual showings you know, or set up a virtual open house if you list your property with me. But if mm -hmm. you're just looking for me to bring you the serendipitous buyer, yeah, I can't do it. I'm not your huckleberry. You know what I mean? Right. 
Right. So that's sort of a different question. I mean, you know, the mindset of somebody who would say to a consumer, look, we're going to take two months off. I just think that's bad messaging. If that agent thinks he's going to be in business in the next two months, I think the answer might be this might not be the best time for you to sell your home. You know, if you want to, we could put it on the market. We can do these things remotely. But that's a matter of, it's funny, when you talk about residential resale, when people talk about industries or businesses, they tend to view them monolithically. Mm-hmm. And they're really heterogeneous, not homogeneous. You know, <laughs> right. my company is not the same as every other Century 21 company in the right. world. Right. We're, we're more typical of like the top 100 companies in Century 21 in the country because the people uh, that have gotten into that number have a different mindset than every, anybody who buys a franchise. But there are companies now that are taking this time to help their agents grow, to prepare. Uh, we're having company-wide Zoom meetings every week, for example, um, something that would be impractical. You know, we only have a, you know, 250 agents or so. But it's impractical to meet with them every week because you're all busy being in different places. Sure. Right now, it's easier to say, hey, you know what? Every Friday at two o'clock, we're going, except this week because it's uh, Good Friday. Good Friday. You're right. Every Friday at two o'clock, we're going to have a company meeting. Uh, this week, we had ours on Wednesday, and we had a friend of mine who's a national speaker, Jared James, come and share some wisdom with our agents. Uh, next week, we have, we're having a virtual awards event to celebrate their successes in 2019. We have another national speaker uh, coming in. And the following week, where I mean, every week we're having a company meeting and every week we're bringing in speakers that not every agent in the company would have the opportunity to see because they don't travel as much. You know, they're not necessarily at, at NAR or at Inman or at, you know, Century 21's 121 event. You know, not everybody goes to those things, but now right. we're able to bring those uh, speakers who are friends of mine because we work together each week to to share something with them. So Jared last week said, used an analogy that I thought was great or a metaphor. He, he said, you know, when if, if you watch commercial fishermen, when the weather's bad and they can't go out in the boats, they're at home working on their nets. So hmm. when the weather calms down and they go out, they can actually catch more fish because their tools and equipment have been repaired and sharpened and are ready for what they're going to encounter. And I think I that's love it. I, I think there are companies like that. And then there are smaller companies that don't have the same resources. I mean, I sure. I made a call to an acquaintance of mine who operates a small brokerage yesterday and just wanted to check in. She's, you know. You know, she's a little older and her husband um, has some health issues. So they're, they're sort of at risk. And I was just mm-hmm. going to see how they were and how they were doing and how their agents were and, and, and said to her, if there's any resource that I have, you know, please, I, it's yours. Like whatever you need, whatever I can offer to help you get through this process. And, and we ended up having a conversation about the new SBA 7A loans and the, EIDL loans and, you know, yep. how she could move that forward. And, you know, she sort of intended to do it because she had heard about it. But I ended up sending her a half a dozen pieces of literature that I hope will have helped her today get in line for some support 
because not depending on the length of the pause, there are companies that may not be able to come out of it. You know, there are companies that are payroll to payroll. There are people that don't pivot as fast as Glenn Kelman. And, and Glenn's not alone. I mean, you know, Yahoo laid off people. Sure. You know, yep. Zillow was paying, you know, in their, in their iBuying, not only stopped iBuying, but was throwing $5,000 checks at people they were already in contract with to get out yeah. of the deal so they didn't have to close. Interesting. You know, offer pad and open door ceased their iBuying. Yep. You know, but... But we're not seeing a lot of distressed sellers and you, I'm imagining that's because you would say that we're in this pause moment. But when we unpause, do you feel like there will be distressed inventory at levels that are worth paying attention to or being considerate of? REO has been a large part of my, well, not a large part. It's, it's been a significant portion of my company's business since the late 1980s. Uh, okay. We represented Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae. Uh, uh-huh. We represent HUD. I mean, we've represented a lot of national lenders in their foreclosures. I think this time is going to be different. The reason I think this time is going to be different is, A, I don't think value is going to be below the amount of the loan, the existing loan. Right. B, mortgage companies are being really good about deferring payments, mm-hmm. you know, both for... Uh, Almost too good from some headlines I'm reading, right? Well, and, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean... You know, there are investors, you know, landlords are caught in the middle. Right. They have a, a, a halt on, on evictions in almost every state and city in the United States. And they have mortgage payments that are due, but they have tenants that are, that either think there's some national rent holiday or that because there's a pandemic, they don't have to honor their contract. And that's tough for a landlord, you know? And again, it depends on how long the whole thing lasts. Right. So we're, you know, I I think in business, you always want to plan for the worst and hope for the best. So, you know, as an investor, I began reaching out to the banks that I have, that that I do business with and asking them for what, you know, what they could do to help us, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, many of them have been, you know, surprisingly accommodating. And I think as a result, we'll be able to, uh, assuming again, this is not a, a uh, if this is a six month problem, I think everybody's got issues. If yeah. this is a one month problem, I think far fewer people have issues. And it, everywhere in between, you know, it, it just sort of ratchets the scale up. Yeah, but it does. If I'm just going to pull on the thread a little bit, because it makes sense what you're saying. If Fannie and Freddie, those securities are, are backstopped by the Fed and and also those loan loan amounts because they're they're lower, they're under under limit, those buyers because they have a more highly highly likelihood of of forbearance, the distressed market isn't likely to start in that price range. If and and those above that price range likely have the cushion to not need to sell distressed too. So that does that kind of summarize and summarize okay. I don't I don't think we're gonna come out of here. There's there's one guy locally who's been sending. Uh, I love getting recruiting emails from other brokers, but he's been sending out. Do you want to be an REO expert? Which amuses me because I was doing REO before most people could spell it. And, <laughs> and you know, oh, there's going to be this huge amount of distressed real estate. I don't see it. I don't think the banks want it. They didn't do well with it in 2008. They didn't have to go to an RTC type of thing. Are you familiar with the RTC? I'm not. It no. was a federal organization that was created 
after the SNL debacle at the end of the 1980s. When oh, okay. Tremendous. That I am familiar with. My parents lost all their money for about three weeks when the Ohio, well, a bank in Ohio failed. Okay. Yeah. So, so there was the federal government created something called the Resolution Trust Corporation, and their job was to put themselves out of business. They had this hmm. huge amount of distressed inventory, and it took from I'm going to say 1990 to almost 1994 to get rid of it. Um, we didn't have to do that in 2008. I mean, you, you didn't have the institutional buyers of yeah. family residences that we had in 2009 and 10. But I think the federal government wants to avoid that. I think the banks want to avoid that. I think the Fed's standing behind the banks. And, and I think, you know, if, if all of the government programs they've put into this CARES package work out, and, and so there's so many ifs in this, like I, I almost hesitate. Absolutely. No, there, we don't even need a, uh, an alert or, or small fine print. I think hopefully at this point, everyone listening knows that, yeah, ifs, ifs and ors and who knows are, right. are all over right. the These place. Are guesses. Yeah. These are really yep. guesses. You know, if this is a month long uh, stay at home, you know, or, or five or six weeks or something like that, uh, somebody told me one of the states is putting a stay at home in place. Perhaps it was Virginia until June 10th. Um, I did see that in an earlier interview I was on today. Pennsylvania, our governor tells us April 30th, the president was having everything roll out. I think on Sunday, we were all going to be back. And then, you know, he moved, he moved that back. I think they talked him off the ledge with that. Yeah. Nobody knows when we're going to be able to begin restarting the economy in what I hope is a thoughtful, safe and layered manner, right? Where people. You know, I don't have a problem meeting clients wearing a mask and gloves and goggles if I have to, you know, but yep. maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the first step of rolling that back out. But if the economy is not at a dead stop for more than a month or so, I think people will come out of it pretty well. So this is thankfully not a, a virus or, or economic question. This is just something that given your experience and at this point everyone knows how smart you are and how well spoken if you were to speak to a home building organization who said i just want to figure out how to be a better partner to real estate agents what what's one or two pieces of advice or wisdom that you would give them how can builders be better uh partners w- with agents like those on your team oh that's such a that, that's such <laughs> is that a whole other episode yeah, sorry well, I, yeah actually it is <laughs> My answer would be don't treat your realtors more like valued partners than occasional partners to use when you need them. Yeah. You know, establish relationships, maintain the relationships. Don't look at them as a burden of expense, but as a partner that can help you move that forward. I mean, it's always crazy when the market's slow, every builder wants to be a realtor's friend. And when the market speeds up, It's realtor who. You figure that out, Bill? Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, and I and, can't, can't believe that you noticed that. <laughs> right. And, and people remember that. So the best thing is find somebody you trust, work with them, you know, give them your confidence and they will, they will repay you. We're like really loyal friends and we yeah. appreciate that loyalty. Absolutely. And builders are always going to have homes to sell or, or referrals for people who have a home to sell. Yeah. And that's another great relationship that, that helps everyone when it's working well. I, I, well, Bill, I know you've got to 
I know you got to run to another important uh, event here, but thanks again for hopping on with us and would love to continue the conversation in more detail on how builders can be better partners and what, what some of those specifics look like. Anytime. Always, always happy to talk. Kevin, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Bill Lublin, again, the uh, CEO of Century 21 Advantage Gold. Thanks again for joining us. 